Welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. The Improver Network mission is to make the world better by helping faith-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners improve personally and professionally. Finding balance and maintaining focus in a world of distractions and discouragement can be challenging and frustrating, but we're here to help you discover your purpose, become more productive, and reach your true potential. Now here's your host, Justin Winstead. Welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Winstead, and I am here with my good friend, Mr. Kyle Gabhart. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Kyle. Howdy. How's it going for you today? Spectacular. How about yourself? You know what? It is a wonderful day. We're good and getting better here at the Improver Network and excited about our time here today, and we are going to have a wonderful discussion every time. I'm around you. It's always enlightening yet entertaining. So, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, I think our listeners are really going to appreciate what we're going to discuss today and the time that we have together. So, tell us a little bit about yourself for those people who may not know who Kyle Gabhart is, um, as little or as much about you and what you do. And what would you like people to know about you? Yeah. Thanks, Justin. I'm a Pisces. I enjoy long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, that may not have been what you were going for. Yeah. Whatever you want to share, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a native Texan, born and raised here in the Fort Worth, Dallas Metroplex. Of course, everything's bigger in Texas. I've got six children, three girls and three boys. Uh, Also, an absolutely phenomenal uh, wife and best friend. Uh, And then we've got a a couple of fur babies. One is a Great Dane and one is a Shepherd mix. So that's how things go down at the Gabhardt household. Awesome. That is a, that's a full household. It is. It is indeed. It's a zoo. Uh, menagerie, perhaps. Yeah, man, that is fantastic. Um, you stay busy then. Oh, most definitely. Uh, combined with, I'm a serial entrepreneur, uh, so I get bored easily. Uh, when I don't know what else to do with myself, I start an LLC or kick off a new project of some kind. So over the years, I've had a, a variety of irons and multiple fires. Serial entrepreneur. Some people would just say you have life ADD. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And so I'm familiar with some of these uh, varied projects that you've been a part of and these ideas, but why don't you share a few of those with us? Sure. Uh, so the, you know, kind of most generic would be I was in IT for about 15 years, a partner in a consulting firm based out of Toronto and Philly. Uh, some of the more exotic, if you will, would be that I got. Uh, a wild hair one day and decided to design a board game. That was back in 2009. So designed and licensed a board game. Uh, it's now available in three different languages. Uh, it's been published uh, throughout a couple of different print runs. We've got a couple of different expansions for it. It's currently out of print. And we're doing another print run of it, uh, but it's called Arctic Scavengers. It's a post-apocalyptic ice age and people are organizing tribes in a bid for survival. Uh, it's pretty geeky. But uh, I enjoy it. Well, the fact that it's geeky and it's you, it doesn't surprise me. But it sounds actually quite fun. And so (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome. So a little bit of IT, a little bit of board game design. Uh, I know you also uh, help out with uh, marriages and financial improvement. and Absolutely. Yeah, my uh, wife and I have a marriage ministry. Uh, The book is The Phoenix Marriage, God Creates Beauty Out of Ashes. Uh, We work with couples uh, all over the, the country, but specifically in the Fort Worth-Dallas Metroplex, uh, primarily via Northwood Church. But we've been doing that for, I think, goodness, probably seven, eight years now at this point. 
and then my primary focus is a wealth management practice based out of Keller, Texas. So we do financial planning and wealth management and consulting for small businesses and for individuals and helping them get clarity on their goals and craft a game plan for achieving it and organizing their assets and organizing their capabilities around accomplishing that. And that has led to actually recently yet another book, uh, which I think we'll probably get a chance to talk about a little bit later here. Yeah, that is fantastic. And you know what? You shared something with me um, a little while back, and I've actually been doing this with my podcast guests here towards the beginning of our recording. We've been encouraging one another to share something good, to start out in gratitude, to go big, right? Begin in it. gratitude. So, you know what? You already mentioned, you know, family and work and all that. Those are the easy things to be thankful for. But what's something else that you're just like, man, this has been a win or something I'm extremely thankful for? Maybe something a little bit out of the ordinary today. Yeah, no, ha- happy to share that. Not a problem. So, this would be about a month ago now. And uh, while I make really good decisions in a lot of areas of my life, uh, I'm not necessarily terrific when it comes to common sense. And I was trying to remove a plastic swing from a swing set in our backyard. And I knew that I had a new knife that was really sharp. It's actually a meat knife. And I thought, well, that would be a great tool (laughs) to use to cut away the heavy plastic of this swing. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of times that I hacked away at it, it was starting to make some progress and it was working pretty well. And at some point along the way, it slipped. I lacerated my thumb fairly mm. severely. You could see the meat of it, all that jazz. And I, I, I know this is a goofy thing to be grateful for, <laughs> but it was a Sunday afternoon. And I am supremely grateful that within 20 minutes, I was able to be at an emergency clinic down the road. They were cleaning it up. They were stitching it up. And I was able to be in and out in a shockingly little amount of time. And anywhere else in the world, I think about what a challenge it would be, what an obstacle it would be, if they would even have access to such a thing, Mm -hmm. what the cost and the obstacles would be. And it was simple. It was absolutely effortless to be able to get that taken care of. And now, apart from a, a scar that... Uh, I'm sure it makes me look really tough and, and incredible. Uh, I, my thumb is good as new. So I'm really supremely grateful to be in the United States at this time in our country's era and to have the kind of access to medicine and resources that we do. Man, that's awesome. I can remember the first time somebody enlightened me to the fact that even the poorest among us live like kings compared to the majority of people in all the world throughout history. Like Amen. we really do live in luxury and uh, that does prompt us to gratitude and having access to healthcare. I mean, something like a cut on a finger, you know, in some other times and some other places, like that could lead to an infection, which leads yep. to gangrene or whatever. And next thing yep. you know, that one little accident here, it's like a almost a minor inconvenience. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, that is something to be thankful for. How about for yourself? You know what? The whole living like kings thing has uh, been on my mind a lot here lately. And I'm just, I've thought a lot about just uh, the complexity of homes and how they're built. On the mm. one hand, houses are everywhere. And I work a lot with real estate agents, mortgage lenders, builders. And so I, I get the idea of the house. But when you really think about indoor plumbing, electricity, sure. air conditioning, <laughs> you know, all the things we have, it just really is neat to think about uh, those blessings. So I would say that's something that I'm, um, I'm very grateful for. And then I'm grateful for just movement here at the Improver Network. We have new people joining on. We have some events coming up, and there's just a lot of excitement and energy. And we're at the beginning phases of a movement. 
And I love the beginning phases of stuff. I love the vision, the hope, the optimism, the ambition <laughs> behind Absolutely. it all. I'm a little bit less excited on the tail end of projects and things. I get excited <laughs> on the front end. So That's relatable. Yeah, so I'm grateful for this particular season of uh, building and creating and growing and and just Terrific. positivity. So yeah, no, I appreciate you flipping the question there on me. <laughs> you bet. Absolutely. So you hinted at this a little bit earlier, but uh, usually we ask our guests, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? <laughs> but you actually are writing a book tomorrow. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about that as much as you want to share. Yeah, no, happy to. So the uh, book is Legends Don't Retire and Neither Should You. The topic in and of itself is a little controversial because we've all been kind of led to believe that retirement is this thing that we ought to aspire to. But I would say that it's particularly interesting given the line of business that I mentioned earlier of financial planning and wealth management. The thing that you naturally associate with that is, oh, so you deal with retirement stuff, IRAs and 401ks and helping people figure out what number they're going to need to hit that magical target figure where they can sent, go off into the sunset. And in my experience, that's just not how it works for a myriad of reasons. And so it's kind of the anti-retirement book aimed at flipping that whole conversation on its head. Mm, sounds interesting. You've never been one to shy away from controversial uh, things. <laughs> so that's great that you're kind of going right on on that. And Absolutely. Yeah. Legends don't retire. So and neither, and neither should, should you. you. That's right. All right. So there's a few people out there going, wait just a minute. You're ruining my vision for the future uh, and my hopes and dreams here. So, but, but you're not really, it's a little bit of a play on words, right? It's, it is. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, there's a, uh, various aspects to it. Part of it is the idea that, uh, you know, you shouldn't view retirement as this end all be all because just achieving it in and of itself might be okay. But if you've got no game plan after that, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Mm. I frequently tell clients, it's important that you not just retire from something, you need to retire to something. Mm. And I'll tell you, Justin, I've seen so many times where people will retire and within a couple of months, they're miserable because they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know what their identity is outside of their job. Yeah. They, they, they don't have a social circle aside from the people that they correspond with at work. And so you rip that identity away from them and they're lost. And so when we lift traditional retirement up as this thing to aspire towards, and we haven't really thought beyond that, and we haven't really sought out our own identity and our purpose and our passion long before that retirement age comes along, then you really can be setting yourself up for a lot of pain and disappointment. Yeah. Now, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you reminded me of the book, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Are you familiar uh, I'm not. with that one? He, he opens in the story, and I'll butcher the details of the story, but the basic idea is, is that there were um, two different married couples, and one of them was traveling the world, uh, doing mission work. They were serving less fortunate people. Uh, they were just changing lives and making a huge impact, but they died young, like in a bus crash or something hmm. in that country, and... Uh, the whole thing was like, what a tragedy. That was so sad. They died like in their 30s or 40s or something, right? right? And they just thought, man, uh, what sadness. Hmm. And then it was compared to this other couple who lived like into their 80s or 90s, and they, quote, retired like maybe in their 50s or 60s, and they were spending the rest of their life just walking down the beach collecting seashells <laughs> and just kind of golfing and 
didn't really have super meaningful relationships, mm. weren't really doing anything, but everybody thought that's the dream deal. And the premise of Piper's uh, comparison of the two stories was which one was really the tragedy? The one where they died young, but yet they were really living life and serving mm. people and making a difference and having an impact? Right. Or the one where you're just fading you know, into oblivion, collecting seashells endlessly on the seashore, which isn't bad in and of itself, but if that's the only thing your life is about, is that really what we are created to do and to be? Uh, I think there's times where we need to kick the recliner up and uh, rest. Absolutely. But we're not meant to live our lives that way through any extended period of season where it's only, you know, that's just right. just rest. We're, we're called to do stuff. You know, we, we believe at the Improver Network, we've been given a purpose and we need to be productive at living that out. And that, that purpose is not about us mm-hmm. just kicking the feet up for the rest of our lives, right? No, you're, you're spot so. on. And I'll, I'll tell you, Justin, one of the illustrations I use early on in the book is actually COVID. Mm. So if you rewind the clock a bit to 2020, our entire world got a brief glimpse into retirement because we had this forced lockdown. And at first, it was an absolute blast. We're watching movies. We're hanging out with the kids. We're just, we've got all this copious free time. Our schedules are suddenly cleared. We have pajama pants as a viable <laughs> form of work attire. Like, it's amazing. And you go a few weeks into that and cabin fever sets in. And people lose their sense of, who am I? What am I about? What is my purpose? What is my identity? It was really, really difficult and has led to a lot of challenges where depression and clinical issues have come up because so much of our lives are wrapped around that work identity. Mm. That when you disrupt that, people don't know who they are in the absence of it. And generally speaking, haven't asked the tough questions about their purpose about their motivation, about their legacy that they're building over time. And that's what I'm aiming to help people get a handle on is to start asking those questions early on. Mm. Well, you know what? That's actually a great segue into what our main topic is going to be about today. You and I could just like uh, probably chase rabbits and have a great podcast on that. But we do want to kind of center it around a topic and give some direction to it. And really the topic today is really legacy, its vision, its purpose, which all that kind of ties in together. And so uh, you were mentioning your financial practice uh, earlier, but you didn't really, you didn't share the name on it. And that name is Bluegrass Legacy Group. It is. And so I'm curious, like when you hear of financial firms, you know, they don't usually have that kind of a name in that. So how did (laughs) you come up with that name and what meaning does that have to you? I I love that question. So first off, I mentioned early on that I'm a native Texan, born and raised. So by all rights, it should be Lone Star Legacy Group, <laughs> uh, but it's not. It's Bluegrass. And uh, no, that isn't because of my musical tastes. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that I enjoy uh, whiskey and bourbon. Uh, it's because <laughs> my folks are originally from K- Kentucky. Uh, and in particular, my dad was raised on a tobacco and dairy farm just outside of Lexington. Uh, he lived that old-fashioned life that we all hear about. Uh, he literally milked the cows every morning. Uh, He had chores to do when he got home from school. Uh, He traveled in the snow uphill both ways, all that good stuff. Uh, But he really instilled in me some fundamental principles of hard work, discipline, treating people with respect, the things that he'd learned from his father. And so I believe that I was handed a legacy from that lineage. And I now make it my mission to help clients define their own legacy and to pass it on to the next generation. Mm. 
man, that is that's powerful and that's really exciting. And uh, yeah, we're um, we're proud to be connected with you guys at Bluegrass Legacy Group and encourage anybody who's interested in that service to seek you all out. Appreciate it. So. You know, we keep using this word legacy, but for some of us, that word's a little bit ambiguous. Most people only associate it with money on it. I know even just this past week, we were over in Frisco, and then, you know, we are constantly driving through South Lake, and these are pretty wealthy areas of DFW, and you see the word legacy just all over the place (laughs) in these areas. And so I think a lot of people, when they think of legacy, they think of um, just a lot of money, uh, a legacy gift. You Mm -hmm. hear that sometimes. But is legacy really about money? Is that the idea of it? Or, or how do you go about explaining to people what legacy means and what it is? I love that question, Justin. And in addition to the common misconception that it's purely about money, and to be fair, that's an aspect of it. The other misconception I find a lot is that legacy is something we leave after we're gone. Mm which then misses the point that legacy can be something that you are actively involved in cultivating while you're alive. But in terms of the scope of it, I define it this way in the book. I say that your legacy is the sum of the life you have lived and the impact you make on your community and the people around you. Mm. So there's, I'm not hearing a past tense in it like we think of legacy, right? Like the, 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 this is not your reputation you leave behind. You know, I think a lot of people, right. even I can kind of sometimes associate reputation and legacy mm-hmm. as synonyms, and it doesn't sound like that's where you're going. Is like your your lasting reputation after your funeral that's is right. your legacy. That's right. Yeah, it's it's not the same as inheritance is another mm-hmm. way to think of it, right? So legacy is something that you, uh, it's the story that you're writing every single day. Mm. You're writing a legacy in the way you interact with your children, when the way that you interact with your spouse, the way you interact with coworkers and with friends. As you go about your day and your life interacting with people, you are writing that legacy on a daily basis. So we all have a legacy right now. 100%. The legacy doesn't come about when we move on from this planet Earth. That's right. We've got that legacy so it's an interesting question for our listeners maybe ask is like what what is my legacy not not what will be but what is my legacy now so Correct. and to think of it more broadly than just the financial side of it one of the things i think is helpful is that uh, trifecta that we often talk about of time treasure and talents mm-hmm. and that same t- element can be applied from a legacy perspective that there certainly is a treasure aspect to it But there's also a time aspect to it. What are you doing with the time that's been given to you, Mm -hmm. which is by far the most valuable resource that you have? And then what are you doing with the talents? So the Lord has given you skills and capabilities and and put you into positions and relationships where you can have an impact. How are you using time? How are you using treasure? And how are you using talents to move that legacy forward and to impact the kingdom? You know, it seems to me as I observe like the kind of culture that we're living in right now that there's two extremes on mm-hmm. that topic. And one of the extremes is the person who, you know, has maybe millions of followers and kind of went viral on social media. And so they just feel like they're king of the world and mm-hmm. that, you know, look at all the fo- quote followers I have and all the people who like me. And they just really are kind of high on themselves. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like you swing the pendulum and there's a lot of people who are really discouraged and they don't have positive uh, self-esteem. They don't have a good view of themselves. Our last podcast with one of our guests, we talked about confidence and people are really lacking 
uh, confidence in there. So somewhere in the middle on this is, look, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you. And at the end of the day, most of us are going to be forgotten a little while after we're gone, you know, a few generations down at most. And we probably won't be remembered. But then on the other end of the spectrum, it's not that we're nobodies either, you know. Sure. And so when you talk about your time, your talent, I think a lot of people listen, they just go, well, what what difference can I really make? Like, mm. what can my legacy be? So they limit themselves. And I'm wondering, like, if you were talking to somebody that just, you're like, man, you've got potential, but like, how would you encourage them or what would you talk to them about as far as utilizing their time, their talent, their treasures in order to build a legacy? Yeah, I love that question. The thing that strikes me the most is that although I don't believe it's our intention, when we make a statement like, what kind of an impact could I make? It's, it's probably not worthwhile for me to do this. It's actually a fairly arrogant statement. Mm. And I, I know that seems completely opposite of the situation. No, Kyle, these are, these are people that don't have any self-esteem. No, it's an arrogant statement because it's coming from the perspective of, well, if I can't see what impact I'm making, if I'm not capable of directly orchestrating it in some fashion, then it must not make any difference. As opposed to the way scripture talks about it, which is Paul planted, Apollos watered, God causes the increase. Mm. And so when you really put your faith and your trust there and you say, look, to the extent that opportunities are provided for me, no matter how insignificant they may seem, I'm going to trust the creator and his ability to orchestrate these things. And I'm just going to be faithful in the opportunity that's presented to me, whether or not it feels like a big opportunity, whether or not it Mm -hmm. feels like I have any understanding of the way that it's going to be orchestrated. I'm just going to take advantage of and move forward on what's in front of me. Mm. You know, at the Improver Network, we really say that we want to help people reach their potential by discovering their purpose and then becoming more productive. And I think sometimes when people think about productivity, they just see it as always what's quantifiably more, you mm-hmm. know, in quantity, sure. right? They don't, they, they just think about it. And then I think part of what you're saying here is like, Being productive isn't always just about the outputs per se. It's really about you focusing on the inputs Mm -hmm. and you do it. And you may not always see your outputs. You may not always see that lagging result of the of the thing that you've been working towards, but that's not to say that you're not making a difference or you're not making an impact. And so uh, we're just responsible for, hey, why am I here? What was I created to do? What's my assignment? And then let me live that out in a productive way. Productivity meaning your inputs and let the outputs end up where they may. 100%. So, man, that's uh, that's really good uh, on that. A lot of our improver listeners, one of the common threads that that we have is is that the imposter syndrome is a real mm. thing. Not every personality type deals with this as much as maybe those people who would identify as an improver. But like the good and bad about us is we see the gaps. We see the things that are missing and what should be and ought to be. And so when we get into a situation where we're advising or consulting or trying to help out a situation and make it better, we're able to utilize that skill. The problem is, is that when we're doing self-reflection, we see all the faults and all the blemishes and all the things that are missing too. So we just, we get down on ourselves. And so we really do, I think, sometimes let that imposter syndrome take over. And some of your words you just shared, I think, are pretty 
encouraging in that way. Anything else you would speak to maybe those who those voices get to talking and saying, hey, you're really not capable of this. You can't speak on a stage like that, or you can't reach these people, or you're just, you're not able, you're not good looking enough, you're not talented enough, your accent is weird. That's what I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> about me. Right. So what, what do you tell people like me when we're dealing with that stuff? Yeah, I, I think the element that you articulate there about improvers more so than others are especially prone to this challenge uh, comes from the fact that we are constantly looking to do better. We do have this horizon in mind and the goal is constantly moving. There's rarely a sense of having achieved or accomplished because there's always some additional opportunity for improvement. And while that is certainly remarkable. At the same time, it can be very discouraging because you literally have never gotten to the point that you can then be satisfied with where you're at. And a lot of that comes down to, we tend to measure based off of the ideal rather than measuring based off of progress. Mm. So when you always measure based off of the ideal, and the ideal is an ever-evolving, moving animal that you're never able to attain, then it does have a tendency to wear you down after a while. And while you want to keep the ideal in mind, because that keeps you growing, it keeps you motivated, it keeps you driven, it's important periodically. And personally, I prefer to do this on a quarterly basis. But it's important to periodically stop, turn around, and look at where you've come from. Mm. Look at the growth that you have already accomplished. Look at the ways the Lord has already moved in your life. Look at the lives you've already impacted. Look at the difference you have made, and just enjoy that progress for a moment. And then, certainly, pivot and continue to look for, and what's that next measure of growth that I'm going to take? Man, that's that's really good advice. And I know I've been guilty of that many times of just always pressing towards the next thing. And, you know, you get the idea of perfection and it's just like perfection is the goal, but yet (laughs) it wasn't the goal. You know, this other measurable thing, less than perfect was the goal and you reach that and then you didn't celebrate it. You mentioned the quarterly reflection, you know, we're big fans of the full focus planner. And I think one of the greatest um, things in is that it systemizes um, this idea of uh, celebrating your wins. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't do that at all. They don't look back over the previous quarter. It actually does this every week. Uh, you know, right. Every week you celebrate your wins. And I think about how many people are just, it's like they're on the hamster wheel because they're always running, but they don't really feel any progress. And sure. so how disheartening it is. So there's a lot of people I think could benefit from saying, you know what, once a week, once a month, once a quarter, I'm really going to take stock of what did I accomplish? Because you forget. <laughs> you know, have this big mountaintop moment, but then a couple of days later, you're in the valley and you forget that you were in a valley before the mountaintop too, Right. you know? Right. So, man, that's wonderful. I definitely want to continue this conversation and we have more to talk about with this idea of your legacy, but I want to pause for a quick break right now and we'll catch you guys after the commercial. This episode is brought to you by The Improver Network. Members of the Improver Network get exclusive access to bonus episodes of our podcast. Additional member benefits include educational content, encouraging community, and practical coaching to accelerate personal and professional growth. For more information about becoming a member, visit improver.network today.
All right, and welcome back to the Improver Network podcast. I'm Justin Winstead. We're still here with Kyle Gabhart, and we are continuing our conversation on legacy, your purpose, your vision, your why. And so this has been very enlightening and encouraging so far, and we're going to keep on chatting about this. So Kyle, I get a little personal with you here, and I'm just wondering if you can think about a time in your life where you feel like you had a breakthrough moment in regards to your legacy and just getting clarity around your vision and the type of person you wanted to be. And like, can you think of a light bulb moment or just a time when it became more clear? Yeah, no, I I really appreciate that question. Definitely had a light bulb moment. It was almost exactly four years ago and it was uh, at my father's memorial service. Mm. So my dad was a minister for 30 years. He was in the pulpit and uh, had a lot of opportunities to directly roll up his sleeves and engage individuals and couples and families and uh, was a tremendous man, bigger than life, uh, served the Lord well, served his uh, local church well. And and keep in mind, this is partly a different era and, and partly just a, maybe a little different part of the, uh, uh, the faith spectrum where it was a little bitty church. So uh, you were big at about 200 people. So it's mm-hmm. it's unlike what we're kind of accustomed to these days here in the Metroplex, where every time you turn around, there's, uh, you know, these giant auditoriums. This was a little bitty church uh, that he was uh, serving in and uh, lived a, an incredible life, but then ended up developing Parkinson's, mm-hmm. uh, actually a specific flavor known as progressive supernuclear palsy, but most people would more readily associate it with Parkinson's. It was a six-year process. And he actually had retired five years prior to that. So from the the distance of the memorial and when he was actually last in the pulpit was 11 years. I don't know about you, but if I haven't talked to someone in 11 days, I start to forget about them a little bit. After 11 weeks, I may miss some details. After 11 months, I may forget when the last time was that we actually broke bread. 11 years is a long period Mm -hmm. of time to be out of touch with people. And the last six of those 11, he wasn't really in a position to invest in any relationships of any kind because it was a very aggressive version of Parkinson's that he had, and it stripped away every bit of his strength and every bit of his control. Uh, And ultimately, at the end, he was wheelchair-bound. It was a catheter. It was a feeding tube. It was the whole nine yards. And so I share all all of that, Justin, because uh, that morning when the memorial service was going to take place, my sisters and I were exchanging text messages back and forth. And as we were doing so, uh, we were uh, just remarking on the fact that it was raining cats and dogs that morning. And there's an old quote that has been attributed to a few people, but from my understanding, the person that originally uh, gave the quote was Eisenhower, and it remarks on the weather. And basically says something to the effect of, uh, no matter how rich or powerful you become, doesn't matter how big your ranch is, how many cows you brand, the size of your funeral is still pretty much going to depend on the weather. And so we were joking, who's going to actually show up? Mm -hmm. Because it's raining cats and dogs out there. And we were blown away. Mm. It was standing room only. There were more than 300 people in the auditorium. People canceled vacations. They came from six different states. And person after person we spoke to was sharing with us stories about how Robert Gabhart had impacted their lives, how he had saved their marriage 
25 years ago, mm-hmm. how he had poured into them and put them on the right path shortly after college 16 years ago. And it was story after story. And again, none of them was less than 11 years. It was all far back. And the impact that he had made in their lives was so significant that nothing was going to stand in their way of paying the respects to the man that had made that kind of deposit in their lives even that long ago. Mm. And it was that day that it crystallized for me what legacy means. What a powerful story. And that's um, that's really something I'm reflecting back just on you know, my childhood. And I grew up, I had my four grandparents. I had three great-grandparents. And then I actually had a relationship with my great-great-grandmother. Wow. So we had a five-generation family. almost had a six-generation family there. It was... It was wild, but uh, all of these people pretty much had, you know, siblings or people around there, and we were from a small town as well, that small church feel, I can relate to that, and, you know, this is so weird to think about it now, but it was like funerals were just a part of life. It was something that we did often. And, you know, even as a as a, as a a child and as a teenager, it was just, I don't want to say monthly, but pretty close to monthly probably, we were attending funerals. And, you know, I've got kids now, one of them about to be a teenager, and it's strange at how uh, limited exposure they've had mm. to um, just the brevity of life and just the types of things that happen whenever someone passes. And so I felt like that from a young age, I always had this idea of how do I want to be remembered and what do I want people saying at my mm. funeral? And that was on my mind, which is part of what you're saying. But I'm a little bit, I don't want to say concerned, but I do wonder from time to time, like my children aren't having that same experience what kind of impact do they have? Because our natural bent is to say we're going to live forever. Right. Oh, that's not going right. to happen to me. I won't be the one to get cancer. I won't have the car accident. Sure. I won't whatever. I'm just going to always be here. And so how do we teach people to appreciate that, as Paul said, life's but a vapor. You know, it's here mm. one minute and gone the next. Our days are numbered, and we don't really know the number of those days. So how do we learn to start living our legacy now to start doing that and not, not wait. And I don't know, what would you, what would you say on that regard? Yeah. I I wish I had the magic answer to that. I I don't, I I think it comes down to fostering these kinds of discussions, uh, asking the hard questions and challenging ourselves to maybe expose our kids to some of that ugliness of life, some of that brevity of life that, you know, I think maybe it's our effort to, provide them with a happy childhood that we aim to protect them from things. And sometimes we build a bit of a bubble around them Mm -hmm. and don't give them an opportunity to really understand uh, the, the real heart of what life is about and to know that there's a purpose well beyond the things that they tend to see and glamorized in social media. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a huge thing. And I, it just seems to me that if more people thought about, you know, how short life is and how valuable life is, that it would it would make a difference on how they view their legacy and their mm-hmm. potential impact. Uh, but yeah, that was a really that was a really powerful story there about your dad. You mentioned the, you know, eleven days, eleven weeks, eleven months, and that you might forget. But the thing is, is if someone uh, even for a moment did something that altered the trajectory of your life that mm. could, was a that made a massive difference, you wouldn't forget them in that. And that's wouldn't. what that's what happened with your dad is like he was altering trajectories. He was uh, changing people's situations. He was lifting them up at a time when they were very down. And I think that's a lesson that we can really pull from that is, is that, um, yeah, you can make a difference for a lifetime. Absolutely. And it goes back to that 
quantity of results versus the quality of them. You know, sure. I'm sure some of the people that were there had spent long periods of time with him and a close relationship at some point in time in their life. But there may be some people that showed up there that it was like, maybe in the grand perspective of things, their time with him was short, but it was still meaningful and significant. No doubt about it. No doubt. So that's really good. What's what's a lesson that you've learned about designing your desired legacy or your desired future uh, that you think everyone should know? Like when you think about like, you know, we're big on proactivity sure. and not just letting life happen to you, but you happen to life. So what's a lesson that you feel like you've learned about being proactive and designing your legacy? Ooh, I really like that question. There's a, a an old saying that uh, we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year, but underestimate what we can do in 10. And particularly for improvers and for Nerds like us who dig into the full focus planner, it's really tempting for our eyes to be bigger than our stomachs and to build out this grandiose idea of what we're going to accomplish this next year. And whether that comes in the form of goals or New Year's resolutions, we get really amped up about all these things we're going to get done. And more often than not, we overcommit to what we could realistically get done in one year. That can sometimes then have the tendency to be a discouraging aspect and prevent us from having that same kind of energy and momentum the next year or the next year. And when I look more broadly at planning your legacy and identifying how you can make the largest impact possible, the thing that's far more important is not just what you could do in one year, but the compounding effect of what you could do in 10 We talk a lot, particularly in my industry of financial planning, about the power of compound interest. The effect of being able to put aside money every month, every quarter, every year, and how that grows and grows and grows over time, and it compounds. Well, the same thing happens with improvement. And probably one of the most uh, notable examples of that is from the book Atomic Habits, that if you got better 1% every single day, you'd be 37 times better by the end of the year because of that compounding that the 1% on day two is building on the 1% on day one and so on and so forth. Well, when you stretch that out to your planning over the period of a decade or longer, what it does is it removes all the typical barriers and obstacles that we have when we plan. Generally, when we're planning, We have a lot of assumptions already built in. Well, I'm living here. I speak English. I'm in this industry. I only have these talents and skills right now. I only have these limited sets of resources. But in 10 years, certainly in 20, you could change literally 100% of those things. You could live anywhere in the world you wanted to live. You could speak whatever language you want to speak. You could develop any new skills that you needed to develop. You could completely re-engineer your life 10 or 20 years from now, and all of the things that are current limitations and current assumptions you're dealing with today do not have to be true 20 years from now. And so when defining your legacy and building out a game plan to achieve it, you need to give yourself the freedom to remove a lot of those assumptions and constraints and allow your God-given passion and drive to move you in the direction the Lord wants you to be. Man, and you know, one of the things that that's 
triggering to me is it's just this idea of being patient and gracious with yourself. And so have a big vision, but don't assume that that big vision needs to happen immediately. Like don't <laughs> absolutely don't start out trying to run the marathon if you've just been on the couch, right? You go couch to five k, ten k, do the half, build right. build it up, and just take steps in the right direction. Uh, you know, I think sometimes people just want to. We want to be at our destination immediately instead of saying, you know what, let me just get going the right direction, Mm -hmm. and I'll get to the destination in time. And so I think that's a a powerful word. In fact, I just want to emphasize this, that I think this is one of the most uh, significant parts of the podcast today, that if you're out there and you do desire to do more, to accomplish more, to be more, and you've got some of these dreams, you feel that there's a calling, especially that God's put on your life, and you've been holding back on it because you're just like, I'm not there yet. I'm not qualified. I'm not able. Mm-hmm. Like the scripture is full of people. That's actually who God prefers to use. You <laughs> know, it's, exactly it's right. in our weaknesses and inabilities that we are usually called to do something great. And the other thing that strikes me about it is, is that most people who do become great and have that massive legacy that just goes on forever a lot of these people didn't set out with that intention. They were just being themselves, living principled lives. They were staying true to their values. They were doing the right thing. And by doing what they knew to be true and what was right for them, they ended up creating that. And mm-hmm. so if you start out with the goal of, I'm going to make a big difference, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But if you start with the goal, I'm just going to do what's right today in this moment, you will make a difference. So I love that encouragement, man. That's super affirming and uh, helpful to me. You know, when you think about legacy and your reputation, the impact you're making, all these things, they seem kind of big and meaty, and they are in one sense, but you talked about taking small steps. There's a lot of us out there that we love shortcuts, you know, and sometimes (laughs) there's not a shortcut to things like that, but then sometimes there are uh, principles and there's tools, there's tips that's like, Hey, here's something that that if you if you went this direction, you could get there faster. So when you kind of think about maybe hacks <laughs> for your <laughs> legacy or uh, productivity tips, just practical steps that our listeners could take um, as they begin to think about this and dream about it and get their thoughts and emotions right. What are the things they can start doing uh, in regards to their legacy? Yeah, no, that's a, a super question. The most important thing would be to really get a handle on uh, what it is inside of you that you're passionate about. And, and that's one of those common things that you know, people toss around and, and talk about is, you know, what's my passion or what's my purpose? And I'm not necessarily saying that it has to be the purpose. Uh, some people have a lot of clarity about the purpose, but I think a lot of us may have multiple purposes. That's why I prefer the term passion. Mm-hmm. And I would say really dig at the core of, you know, before I got confused by the adult world, what was I motivated and driven around? When I think about things that I care about, what, what makes me stay up at night? What do I worry about? What am I stressed about? And I don't mean in the sense of I'm worried about, do I have enough money? I mean, worried about for my children, worried about for the world, worried about for my community, those things that are heavy on your heart. Your purpose, your passion is around that. And so I think the most important thing is getting a handle on, at my core, what is really important to me. It was important to me when I was a kid. It's important to me now when I think about aspects of the world that are broken. It's important to me in terms of handing off to the next generation a certain set of values, a certain set of principles. 
getting a handle on that is really, really informative in terms of what your legacy ought to entail. And it may be broader than that, but that's the the kernel. That's the nugget at the core of what your legacy consists of. So you would recommend that our listeners actually take some time to get get out a pen and paper and just start jotting down some of those things. That's like right. What, who, who are the people that I'm most burdened about or most mm-hmm. uh, interested in helping? You know, what are the things that I'm passionate about just in general? Uh, what am I proficient at? Where are my talents right now? Right. And is, if there's an area of people and passion that I'm not proficient, you've already said, hey, we can work on the proficiency you bet. You and, bet. and practice at that. But just starting to make a list and get some of those thoughts out of our mind and heart put them on paper mm-hmm. and begin to make it clear. See areas of overlap could give some direction on uh, who you really are. And of course, we've been doing this podcast in the context of believers and faith. And so, you know, praying about that and asking God, hey, where are you leading me? What do you want me to do? Because at the end of the day, he's got a plan for us. <laughs> you know, he's already laid it out there. So it's really not like we're having to create in the way I said it earlier, as much as discover. Yes. You know, we, we we've got... The legacy isn't ours necessarily to write in one sense because mm-hmm. it's already there. We just have to figure out what it is and highlight it, you know, bring it out. So I love that, man. It's super helpful. Well, it, I don't know if a lot of this just came through because of your family and because of your own passions or if you read books or attended conferences or follow people. But if if others wanted to kind of continue to learn and like they're really now excited about this idea of legacy, of purpose, of vision, uh, what are some books, podcasts, speakers, events? What what would you recommend to people as far as resources? Oh, that's great. I, I'm definitely a fan of education and absorbing as much knowledge as possible. I've got a few of those that come to mind. Uh, first off, there's a terrific book by Bob Beal called Decade by Decade, Life is Surprisingly Predictable. And he talks about throughout the decades, each block of 10 years, what are the things that are going to be the significant themes most likely? Uh, What are the challenges and opportunities that you're likely to encounter? Uh, He's got a tremendous amount of insight into how a legacy evolves over time. So definitely recommend uh, that work by Bob Beal. I have personally benefited a lot from resources uh, from Dan Sullivan at Strategic Coach. Certainly recommend. There's a slew of podcasts and articles and tools and books in that regard. And I'd be remiss if I didn't recommend Legends Don't Retire and Neither Should You. There you go. Uh, Coming to an (laughs) Amazon bookstore near you. Yeah. Is that, uh, or is there going to be like a pre order or is there a launch date already decided or is that still to be determined right now? Or we are really, really close, actually. We are rounding the bases. Uh, We've got. A little bit of work on the back matter. We're uh, tightening up the back cover. Uh, we've got endorsements that have come in, and so we're getting those to all fit onto the back cover without hopefully a size six font. Yeah. Uh, some people have been a little more verbose than others. Uh, we finally managed to drag a forward out of you, so yeah. we've got that on the book. And yeah, we're we're really close. We're uh, finishing up some of the graphical work. Uh, Lord willing, we're aimed to publish by the end of this month, by the end of August 2022. Uh, so it should be physically available for pickup uh, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're we're right in, uh, in the heat on that one. Yeah, well, if I want to tease the book a little bit in the foreword, you know, one of the images that I brought in there was the idea that you and I both share about uh, sitting around the campfire mm. under the stars, 
you know, with people that we love and care about and having a moment of reflection on life and realizing that, you know, we have been living the legacy that we were called to live. We uh, have been running the race, we've been fighting the good fight, and that we've been uh, doing what we were called to do on this planet and just having a sense of joy and peace and satisfaction. Sure. And when we talk about legacy, that's in part what we really want people to get out of this today is, is that's not going to happen accidentally. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to just happen upon the life that you are called to. You're going to have to go against the grain. You're going to have to live with intentionality and live with purpose. And so we definitely share that. But one of the things that you've helped me realize today about that in regards to legacy is it's not just necessarily me fast forwarding a few decades from now and looking back to see what kind of legacy am I leaving. It's right now. Like, Imagine me sitting at the campfire this weekend yes. and and reflecting back on on the life that I'm already living Absolutely. currently and uh, thinking about it, am I building the legacy that I want to build? And so not waiting until retirement. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, on it. That's right. So that's been super helpful. Well, for those listeners who want to stay connected with you and like maybe want to find out when the book comes out and make sure to purchase a copy or, or what have you, how could people find you and find Bluegrass Legacy Group? How would you like them to connect with you down the road? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, carrier pigeons, smoke signals, all of those are viable. <laughs> Message in a bottle. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Google is pretty effective, but if you want a little help with that, uh, you could go to legendsdontretire.com, uh, be part of the pre-launch. Uh, or you can swing by bluegrasslegacygroup.com. Both of those are available. And I'm on all the social medias, the LinkedIn's and the YouTube's and the Facebook's. So uh, however they prefer to consume their content, I, I don't do much of the Pinterest or the Instagram. That that doesn't work out for me too much, but uh, the other ones will work just fine. Are you TikTok famous yet? Uh, you know, I'm still working on my dance moves, so I'm not quite yeah. ready to launch my TikTok <laughs> channel, but it's coming up pretty soon. Yeah. And then what about the marriage uh, resources? Because I think you've got some information online for that too, right? I really appreciate you asking about that. Marriage is near and dear to my heart and my wife's heart. Uh, It is a part of our legacy. It's a part of our passion. Uh, Our book, as I mentioned earlier, is The Phoenix Marriage, God Creates Beauty Out of Ashes. It's about how relationships fall apart, how you can stitch them back together, and how you can preserve them over a lifetime. The website is equipyourmarriage.com and also available through various social media outlets. But uh, yeah, we definitely have a heart for marriage and would love to connect with anyone that is looking to uh, strengthen their relationship. Man, we may need to have you back on another podcast to talk about marriage stuff. (laughs) There we go. That might be good. Or you you could bring Tammy. She's the real heavy hitter. There we go. Hey, we'll just, um, we'll make it a whole group effort here. I like it. I uh, like it. You know what? You can kind of sum your your stuff up here in the uh, marriage, money, and make a difference, right? Ooh, so <laughs> I like that. I think 3M is a dot com is already taken, Take but it. I like where you're headed with that. Yeah, that's fun, man. Well, the last thing I want to do to encourage our listeners to stay connected with us is to let you know about Legacy Summit that is coming up on October the 6th, and Kyle is one of our headlining guest speakers there. Did you name it that way just for me? You know what? Uh in part, in part for sure. <laughs> and so, you know, since we're talking about legacy and, and talking about Kyle here, if you want to dive in deeper on this, Kyle's actually doing a workshop on leaving a le- legendary legacy and going to be talking about the book uh, there as well. There will be copies there at there the event will. if everything goes smoothly. So 
really want to invite you to that. Uh, if you want more information on this event, go to improver.network forward slash summit. Improver.network forward slash summit. You can get details there. We're going to have lots of different speakers that are going to be coming out. We're going to have a live music. It's going to be a lot of encouragement. Going to be a launch party there as we celebrate the official kickoff of the Improver Network. And it's going to be a fun event, so we'd love to have you out. As always, Improvers, we appreciate you joining us today and invite you to connect with us again on our next podcast, which will be released very soon. Find us on social, and we look forward to seeing you real quickly. Stay good and keep getting better. Thank you for listening to this production of the Improver Network podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch future episodes. For more information about the Improver Network, visit us online at improver.network. That's www.improver.network. And connect with us on social. Until next time, keep getting better.